exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever think or imagine. I thank you for the transforming power of your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as I speak this morning, that you would uh, impart into your people the value and the truth of your word that brings about that transformation. Lord, would you shine brightly in our hearts? Would you shine brightly in our spirits, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus this morning? And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'm just a little bit ringing up here, Pete. Can you just um, put some more bass in or do a cartwheel? Be fantastic. Be really good. You ready for the word this morning? You ready for the word this morning? Excellent. I need you guys to lean in, okay? Uh, it's my experience, we, we get what we expect, we get what we're leading in for this morning. So uh, if uh, you're just sitting back and, and just going to allow stuff to hit you, then I think that you know, sometimes it's just going to happen that way, but if we lean in, we're expectant, we're wanting God to speak into our hearts, we're wanting to hear one word from God, then I believe that God honors that. And I uh, would encourage you to lean in, that if uh, there's something that's said this morning that uh, you know God is speaking to you, then just grab that, shout hallelujah, bless God, uh, praise Jesus, whatever you need to say that's going to say, you know, uh, make a, uh, a statement that uh, you wanting heaven to recognize that that's my word, that's my breakthrough he's talking about, and that's the thing that I'm going to see happen in my life, amen? I might get fired up. So we are doing cup uh, four Cups, this is part five of the Four Cups series that we have been doing. Uh, it's a journey that we've been on um, over the last few weeks. Uh, it's a, a series based on a book called The Four Cups by Chris Hodges uh, out of the Church of Highlands in Alabama, uh, down that way uh, in the United States of America, just doing incredible things down there. Uh, if uh, you haven't heard this series or uh, you've missed a, a part of the series, I'd really encourage you to visit our iTunes site or our website. You can actually listen or download these messages. I do believe that they will encourage you. I do believe that you'll sense God talking to you as you listen to that. And I believe that uh, you'll start to see something and, and that seeds will be planted in your heart that you're going to say, you know what, I want what he's talking about. I want what the word of God declares. I want to have those promises become a part of of my life so that I can start to see them being outworked in my, my world. Is that all right? Excellent. So these four core promises are based in Exodus chapter 6 verses 6 to 7. And it says this, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. That's the first promise. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you. That is the second promise. He says, I will free you from being slaves to them. Then he says, I will redeem you. That is the third promise. He says, I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And then the fourth promise is that I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you'll know that I am the Lord who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. These four cups are what the whole of the Passover meal were based around. When they took the Passover meal, they had one cup of wine, or four cups of wine, sorry, um, that were a part of the whole Passover meal. And each one of those cups represents something that is really vitally important that God wanted to communicate to his people about something that he was doing in their lives. He, he promised to do something in their world, and each cup represented something from that. The first cup 
uh, where he talks about that uh, I will bring you out. It's the cup of salvation. You know, we found that the Israelites were actually in, in Egypt. They were under the subjugation of Pharaoh. They were being punished. They were slaves. They were in bondage. They were in this place where it was just no hope. There was nothing that was going on. And God actually brought them out. He says, I'm going to bring you out. That's salvation. We need to get out of Egypt. We need to get out of that, that place. And God wanted to take us out of Egypt. That's what salvation is about. It's getting out, us out from under the dominion of bondage and, and, and those whole areas where we come into a life of freedom. That's something that God does. It's a gift. There's nothing we can do to earn that. It's, it's by his grace. It's through faith that we appropriate that. It's something that God alone does. I can't earn that enough or do enough things that's going to help me to earn the gift of salvation. It is a gift. Can anyone say amen for the gift of salvation this morning? So the second one, where he says that I will free you, is about the cup of freedom, the cup of deliverance. See, a lot of us have come out of Egypt, but there's still a lot of Egypt in us. You know, there's this area where our lives are still, uh, we've got the mindset of a slave, we've got the actions of a slave, we've got the thought processes of a slave, and there's going to be a process of deliverance. We're going to come into an area of freedom, and this is what God says, I'm going to, uh, I will free you from being slaves. And this is the second cup that we're talking, talking about in, in past. This morning, uh, we're going to be looking at the third cup, and this is the cup of restoration. This is where all of a sudden, you know, we, we got out of Egypt, we got Egypt out of us. Now we need to understand why we are on this planet, why we exist as a person. God's got a purpose for us. He created us with a purpose already in mind. He had something for us to do. And he said, how do I need to shape a person? How do I need to create a person? How do I need to put them together to be able to accomplish that task? And this is where, as, as uh, the people of God, God says, I'm going to actually start to, to, uh, to, to redeem you. So that I can create or put you back into the original purpose for your life. This is where we are realigned with what God wanted us for us to do. Okay, so that's what we're going to be talking a little bit about this morning. And then there's the fourth cup. The fourth cup is the cup of praise. Uh, and that's where we're going into a life of fulfillment. It's where he says that I will take you as my own people. See, the first three promises are all singular. This is what I'm going to do with you. But then the fourth promise is all about uh, becoming a part of something that's greater than ourselves. It's where destiny is called out. It's where we, we've gotten out of Egypt. We've got Egypt out of us. We've started to align ourselves with our purpose and the plan of God for our lives. Now, if we want to come into a true life of fulfillment, then it's about us partnering together with the wider body of Christ to start to see destiny called out of other people. Where we start to set other people on that same destiny course, you know, we start to say, you know what? God didn't want you to live in the way that you're living. He didn't want you to, uh, to be making uh, mud bricks for Pharaoh. He wants you out of Egypt. He wants Egypt out of you. He wants you to live for your purpose and your destiny in life. And this is what we're going to do to help you to do that. That's what life of fulfillment is all about. And we need to, to start to say, you know what? We need to do that. But the trouble is that a lot of people get stuck in cups one and two. They're, always in, a, they're in Egypt or Egypt's still in them and they can't get past to start to live for their purpose and their destiny. And that's what this morning, I hope, is going to be able to help us to do. So the first four blanks in your notes are the words salvation, freedom, restoration, and fulfillment. Just write those in. They'll be fantastic. And today's cup is the cup of redemption. So you need to write that into your notes as well. It's the cup of redemption. It's where he says in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will redeem you. We're going to look at uh, 
the outstretched arm bit and the mighty acts of judgment in a little minute. But I think it's important for us to understand what the word redeem means because a lot of this stuff is like it's just Christianese, you know. It's, uh, it's where we just use the, the Christian words that we bandy around in church and, and you know, praise God, it's a hallelujah, bless Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb. I'm thinking, man, what are you talking about, you know. So it's, uh, it's where we understand some of the words that uh, uh, are used in the Bible. Redeem means to buy back. It's to get us doing what we were created to do. See, God didn't just save and deliver the Israelites. He had a plan for them. He wanted to redeem them back. Webster's definition of redeem is to buy back, to repurchase. If I was to explain this for us, it's like uh, uh, going to a garage sale and, you know, you see something there and uh, you know that it's... it's, there's a saying, isn't it? Someone else's trash is someone else's treasure. One man's trash is another man's treasure uh, and things like that. This is where God has seen mankind, seen mankind. And the world says you're trash. world says you're, you're washed up. The world says you've got nothing to contribute. The world says that you know, there's nothing that you can do that, that is of any use or value. But God says, I see the value in you. It's like God going to a garage sale and he says, how much do you want for mankind? And the devil says, I want everything. God says, that's a deal. And he sent Jesus. At a garage sale. Secondly, it means to change for the better, to reform. I don't know about you, but sometimes we set the bar way too low. God sets the bar up here. You know, he's wanting us to live for a purpose, for a destiny. God wants to call out the best in us. He knows the potential that's in our lives. But sometimes we've set the bar too low. We, we just want to just get by with just doing enough or just being enough, thinking that we're doing God a favor. We do no, no favors for God. To do you, God a favor, just power on for him. Just be empowered by his spirit. Live and breathe the word of God. Start to take it on board. Start to believe what God's word says about you and your circumstance. You know, this pastor Steve said something to us that was powerful. He said, you know, like to all the pastors and leaders at a, at a regional meeting just a couple of weeks ago, he says, you know, there's a lot of people that believe in God, but there's not many people that believe God. You Okay. You know, I love you this morning. So my question to us is, do we believe in God or do we believe God? Because if we believe God, then we're going to start to understand that what he wants for our life, that declaration over what we said about the offering, you know, I'm going to live with a healing mindset. I'm going to start to reach out. I'm not going to to back off just because the world thinks it's uh, uh, like politically incorrect to, to pray for people. You know what? While there are examinations in schools, prayer will always be in schools. I don't know about you, but whenever I did an exam, I'm thinking, pray, I need your help, God. (laughs) If you know my educational background, you'd say, yeah, he needed the help. (laughs) He really needed the help. But you know what? That's what it is. So we've got to start to believe that. So we've got to come back into this area where to reform, to change for the better. Thirdly, it means to repair or restore. Jane hates the program on TV that I love watching. And it's on the Turbo channel on, on Foxtel, okay? It's called King Dig, King Dig Dig It Customs. Now, it's a hard word to say. She hates it because the guy that does all the restorations on the cars has like a, a, a pharaoh goatee. It comes right out here like this. 
Like, I don't know, must spend hours with the hair straightener, you know what I mean? It's just like that. It's just, but I've got to tell you, what they do with these cars, they, 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 they go to these places and these cars are absolute wrecks. There is rust right through them. Like, if they've got tires, they are flat and they are de- de- degraded, whatever it is. You know, they're just like no glass in them. The upholstery is absolute rubbish. And they take these cars and they work on them and they rebuild them and they repair them. And at the end of the program, they give them back to the owner and they are absolutely priceless works of art. That's what God does to us. Some of us have got flat tires. Some of us have got spare tires. <laughs> yeah, some of us have got squeaks. It's cool. But this is what God wants to do with our lives. So what, what is redemption? It's simply it, it put, it, it's doing what we were supposed to be doing. It's, it's fulfilling the, the plan that God had for us. It wasn't that we were to be making mud bricks for Pharaoh. It, God wants us to live a fruitful and a fulfilled life. Some of the greatest minds in, in, in the entire human history have been Jewish minds. Pastor Keith Buxton told us a, a, few, a couple of months ago that, you know, that to date, 193 Nobel Prizes have been won by Jewish people. That's 23% of the total that's ever been awarded. Yet the Jewish people only form 0.2% of the entire world's population. God took the Israelites from being slaves to some of the most influential and successful people ever. And he can do the same with us. He can do the same with your life. He can do the same with my life. He can do the same that, that, that he did with the Israelites and take us on a journey, bring us through a process and to start to, to set us up for to, uh, to, to, to be really redeemed people. So God redeemed them with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. So many of us probably uh, not doing what we were called to do. And it's God, he wants us uh, to return us to our original purpose. He, he created us for a specific assignment. He has a destiny for us. But why do so few people actually start to live out of their destiny and their purpose in life? The answer is actually found in the promise itself. It says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. So God redeems us with a, an outstretched arm. What does that mean? Well, a lot of us actually are struggling with inferiority complexes. We think that we are less than God created us to be. We, we live with this inferiority mindset because we don't see ourselves from God's perspective. We see ourselves from our perspective. We see ourselves from the perspective that have been formed from our problems, from our wounds, from our mistakes in life. We don't see ourselves as very pretty people this bloke walks into a pet shop and uh, he's walking around the pet shop and uh, all of a sudden he hears this parrot in the back corner and says oi mate the bloke says who me parrot says yeah he says what do you want parrot says come here the bloke walks over to the parrot he says what do you want parrot says you're the ugliest looking bloke i've ever seen in my life 
And the bloke stands back and he says, what? He goes over to the shop proprietor and he says, your parrot's just insulted me. The bloke says, so sorry about it. He walks over to the parrot. He says, don't you dare insult my customers. Like they come in there, spend good money. And you're insulting them. He goes, slap the beak. <laughs> A month goes by. The bloke comes back into the pet shop. He's walking around and parrot in the back corner. Oi, mate. But he says, who, me? He says, yeah, you. He says, what do you want? He says, come here. So the bloke walks over to the parrot again. He says, what do you want? The parrot says, you know. <laughs> Isn't it true? Isn't it true? <laughs> Sorry, that's a dad joke. But isn't it true, though, when we want to do something for God, we talk ourselves out of it because we don't think we're good enough. And the devil says, you know, you can't do that, you know. Smack the devil up the side of the beak. <laughs> we don't believe that we can do or be anything because our past says, you know who you really are. But is that a true statement? Do we know who God's created us to be? Because many try to live out their purpose by looking in the rearview mirror instead of looking at the road ahead. And the reality is that we've got to deal with our past. And that's what cups one and two are all about. The cup of salvation, the cup of freedom, the cup of deliverance. Then we need to move into the cup of redemption. God says in Psalm 18 verse 35, You give me your shield of victory. And your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. I I love the illustration of Peter out on the water. You know, he's walking because Jesus has called him out of the boat. But then he starts to take his eyes off of him, off of God. And he starts to put his eyes on the circumstance and his situation. He starts to sink and he just calls out God. and, And Jesus just reaches out and grabs him and saves him. And restores him to a purpose. You see that a number of times where Peter's walked with, with Jesus and the disciples. How Jesus just did some great things and just outstretched his arm. I think the greatest stretching out of Jesus' arm is on the cross. He restored us to purpose. He restored us to destiny by putting out his arms, stretching out his arms. He's reaching you know, down into the pit where we are sometimes. And he pulls us up. You know what? God's not giving us a handout. God's giving us a hand up. See, God sees greatness in us that we don't see ourselves. Often God enables others to see the greatness and the potential in us because we tend to limit ourselves because of this inferiority complex that we have and we're often too hard on ourselves. Uh, here's a, a piece of pastorly advice for you this morning, okay? Ease up. All right, just, just back off. Like, you know, you've got an enemy in your life who's just trying to point every single finger he can at you and saying how all the things you're doing wrong. I don't think he needs anyone like you to agree with him. We need to say, you know what, that's not actually what the, uh, Jesus says about my life. That's not what the Word of God says, says about my life. We need to start to, 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 to ramp up a declaration about what God says about us in our world. Some of us need to get some, some, some lipstick, not your own, but your wife's. Okay, you need to get some lipstick and write on the mirror some scripture references so that you can remind yourself every single day what God says about you. 
see, this is how God sees you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this. For we are God's masterpiece. What are we? We are God's masterpiece. Other translation says that we are his workmanship. We're create, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to go and to do. In other words, God didn't create us and then think, wasn't ready for that. God's got a plan and a purpose for us. God's got a, uh, something that he wants us to do in life. He didn't create us and then give us a purpose. It's the complete opposite. God had something for us to do, then he created us. He, he created us for a specific purpose. He had something in his mind that he wanted to do us to do, so he then created us. We've got to see ourselves as God, the way God sees us. See, God sees us as acceptable. He sees us as valuable, as lovable, as forgiven and capable. See, here's the deal. He sees you as a masterpiece. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about what a masterpiece is. A masterpiece can be a work of art. It can be a painting. It can be a sculpture. It can be like a, a, a building, uh, things like that. You, all of us understand that that's what they can be. But what makes it a masterpiece? Simply that uh, uh, it has great value because it's so intricate. Like the, the skill and the workmanship that's gone into the painting or the sculpture or the building. There's the, the fact that it's, it's one of a kind. There's no other thing like that. I mean, the Mona Lisa or any of the, the, the great paintings by some of the great Renaissance artists and stuff. Some of the great buildings that we have, they're, they're one-offs. There's no other one that's like that. So the scarcity of them increases the value, value of it exponentially. You know, so so it's, there's a whole different range of things that go into making something a masterpiece. And quite often, one of the great things is that there's a signature on it. There's a signature of the, of the, the creator or the artist that goes onto that, that piece of art. And then, you know, quite often as well, it only increases in value and becomes a masterpiece because the creator dies. Have you ever thought about this? I want every one of you to look at your hand right now. I've said this a number of times in the past, but have a look at your hand. Every one of us has got fingerprints here on our hands. It's highly unlikely that we will have any fingerprints in this room that are the same. In fact, it's, it's highly unlikely that we'll find that in Australia. It's, it's highly unlikely that we'll find that in the world. You know what? But there's enough people in the world that you, know, you might find someone who's got the same sort of fingerprint as you somewhere in the world on one finger. But then think about the rest of you. Your personality, your dad jokes, <laughs> the way you see and view life, your strengths, your gifts, your abilities, your experiences, your DNA. Can I suggest to you there is not a single person in this entire planet who ever has or ever will be like you. That makes you of incredible value. And Christ signed his name to us. We need to understand that we are God's masterpieces. The intricacy and the work that went involved in, in, into creating us is phenomenal when we start to think about that. See, we're not inferior. That's what the enemy tries to tell us, that we're inferior. That's what I love about God. He makes up the difference. 
See, God says, I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm. He reaches down and picks us up, pulls us up, redeems us. Secondly, he says, I'm going to redeem you with mighty acts of judgment. This is where the enemy of our lives, and we all have an enemy. I don't know whether you know this or not, but we have an enemy. And he's out to, to, to crush, kill, destroy um, our lives. That's what he wants to do. And what he, he loves to do is to create something called a diversion. So just need to write that in your notes this morning. He creates a diversion. He hinders us. He creates a life diversion. And I want to suggest to you this morning that God's mighty acts of judgment are actually reserved for the enemy of our soul, not for us. If you're saved, you're born again, you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, those lovely Christianese words that we use. And I want to tell you that judgment is reserved for the enemy of our life. The devil has a plan for our life, and so does everybody else. But what do we say about God's plan for us? See, he wants to stop us from finding the, the, uh, the, and fulfilling the dream that God has for our life. And he'll put anything in our way that he possibly can. He'll put in, a, in our way a career, money, hobbies, problems, tragedy. Anything that will stop us from focusing on God's plan. See, the enemy wants to break our focus on God, to stop us looking to God, stop us reaching out to God, stop us focusing on God. Do you remember what Pastor Steve McCracken said? You know, there's this area where we need to be praying, not looking into a mirror so that I'm praying all about me, but I need to be praying like I'm looking through a window so that I can start to pray for my community, I can start to pray for the region around about. I can pray for the other churches that are in Mount Barker, praying that they are so successful that that we all call out for help to say, you know what, we need help to do this. I think we need, every one of us needs to do it. We need to be praying through a window church. The devil will do anything to derail us from our purpose. He'll create a diversion. In 1 Thessalonians 2.18, we read that we wanted to, this is what uh, the, the writer was saying, we wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. He hindered Paul from doing what he was supposed to be doing. The Greek word for prevented there literally means to cut a ditch across the road. So to impede one's course by cutting off the way ahead. Many translations say it's a, it's a means of hindering us. See, with mighty acts of judgment, he, uh, in, uh, it's, it's this area where uh, God will confront the enemy of, his, uh, uh, of his, his people. If we're his people, then God's mighty acts of judgment are reserved for him. The devil is trying to keep people from finding their dream. He'll put anything he can in the way. False loves, distractions, debt. But God will confront the enemy of our lives. He will turn it around for us. Romans 8.28 simply says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. But some of us think, well, I've gone too far. It's just no hope for me. Romans 11.29 is a a verse for you. Romans 11.29 says, God's gifts and call are under full warranty. 
They are never cancelled, never rescinded. The gift and the call of God is irrevocable. He doesn't suddenly take it back because we think we've messed up. Where does that leave room for the power and the word of God to come through in our lives? So you messed up. Join the club. It's okay. That's why, you know, he's, he's, he's God and I'm not. Praise God. So the cup of redemption. How do we drink from the third cup of redemption? Well, first of all, we all need to know that we're going to ha- we have been given a spiritual gift. In Romans 12 verse 6, it says we have different gifts according to the grace that's given to us. Grace is, uh, th- th- this word means charis, charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. It's where we get the actual, uh, the root word means charisma. It's where we get that from. It's a divine enablement, okay? It's, it's just easy for you. I, I don't know about you, but there's some stuff that I'm absolutely terrible at. Like, Teresa is absolutely dynamic at numbers, administration, and stuff like that. Like, I have a brain fr- fade when, uh, like, that stuff comes up. I look at our, our profit and loss stuff and uh, our, our board meetings. And you can ask the guys, this is dead set. I'm thinking, have I got it up the right way? <laughs> I mean, all I want is like, tell me the bottom number. What's the bottom line here? Have we had more coming in, going out and all the rest of it? You know, so there's, there's, you, other people, you find this so easy. You know, you're so good at hospitality. You, you know, you're so good at being a mechanic. You're so good at, at dancing. You know, I, I was watching the, 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 the team um, do their practice before the service, and Haley was up on, sta- uh, on the stages bouncing around. I think, I wish I could move like that. But I'm so unco, you know? Like, it's just not going to happen, you know? It's just it's not, not where I'm at. It's not a gift for me, you know? I'm really good at dad jokes. Maybe. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> cool. But there's some things that you're really good at. And this is, you know, where we need to understand that that gift has come from God. Here's our instruction from God about pursuing his promise, this promise. It's 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And that's what we need. That's the first step in just finding out how we drink the cup of redemption. Second is uh, simply this. Sorry, the first, uh, sorry, the, the first one is this. Oh, that was just a prelim, the intro. See, I'm not real good at preaching. <laughs> but you get the message. <laughs> yeah, my head's going about a thousand miles an hour, I can tell you. Amen. <laughs> I, I I, uh, Father, forgive me for that. <laughs> the first point is this. I love these people, I tell you. Discover our gift. So write that in your notes. Discover our gift. How do we discover the gift? Best way is that it's seen in our design. Okay? If God had things for us to do first, then he's created us. Then the design, how he made us, will reveal our destiny. Okay? With my build, it's unlikely I'm going to run marathons. I could do a good sprint, but it's unlikely I'd run a marathon. 
Our destiny is wrapped up in our design, the way that we think, the way that we understand, the way that we work things out. In Psalm 139, verses 13 to 14, it says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. See, design reveals destiny. Just look at all the personality, the gifts, the passions, the loves and the dreams. See, God made us the way that we are. And when we start to partner with that, when we start to accept that, you know, some people don't like the fact that they can, uh, they see uh, threads hanging from a person's garment. Well, it's, it's likely that God's put a gift of t- being a tailor or a designer in you. Some people don't understand. They, they wonder why they're the only ones that hear the, the knock in an engine. They, they're the only ones that can hear that. Why? Because God's gifted you to be a mechanic, to be a, a problem solver for the noise that you're hearing. There's this, these things that, you know, sometimes it's, it's in the things that really tick us off that we find our destiny. That's why, you know, Mother Teresa, she, she went to, to Calcutta and to India and stuff so because she saw a problem and she knew that there, there needed to be an answer to the problem. Some things tick us off and the, the, we are the ones that we're ticked off because we've been given an answer. There's, a, there's something on that for our lives. Explore that. Ask God about it. So, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Don't know why you're on the planet? Ask God. The fact of our birth means that our purpose is necessary. Colossians 1, 16 says everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. That's why I love being in church on a Sunday morning. It helps us to understand our purpose. Secondly, we need to develop our gift. We need to develop our gift. We see that that's what we're here as a church to help people to, dis- to develop your, your gift. We discover it, then we develop it. And, and we're actually going to start to uh, develop the whole church and structure the church around these four promises from here on in. One of the things that we are actually doing is something called our growth track. And we're going to take people on a journey to talk about this stuff, to help people to discover why they're on the face of the planet Earth and take people on a journey of discipleship from just believing in God to believing God. Ephesians 4, verse 7, and then verses 11 to 12 says, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So we are taking that seriously. Okay? It's not the pastor's job to get everybody saved. It's not the pastor's job to make your coffee or your your chips. It's not the pastor's job to do those things. My job is to help us as a church to be equipped to do the works of ministry. I can't reach into your workplace to talk to your colleagues about Jesus and about a changed life that will dramatically change your eternity. I can't reach into those places, but you can. And if I give the tools to you and if I equip you to be able to do that effectively, I can tell you that the world is, is, is going to be unstoppable. God's going to be unstoppable in our world. We've got to start to, to ramp up. You know, the devil's got you fooled. 
Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm the head and not the tail. I can do most things. How hard is it to just say to someone, what did you do on the weekend? Now, how am I going to answer that? I went to church. How do I get over that? Do I tell them? I don't know. Have you just tell if if we get to go to church, we get to, to have the freedom to worship our King and our Lord. We're not under any misillusion or whatever that we have to do this. I, can I tell you? I want a show of hands this morning. I want to see a show of hands for the pe- people and the families this morning that you had me rock up and, and go into your your bedroom. And just grab you by the hand and yank you out of bed, forced you to get dressed, forced some breakfast down your throat, and then got you in the car, okay, and, and, and I drove you all here. Can I see a show of hands that, that had that happen this morning? <laughs> Jane, yeah, that, my wife, yeah. I, I, <laughs> but there's no, no one, is there? There's no one. So all of us here are because we wanted to be in the house of God this morning and worship our King. There's people out in our community that need to know that there is a God who has answers for their circumstance and their situation. And I believe God wants us to speak up. I believe God wants us to say something about that. We may not have it all together. We may not be like perfect Christians and stuff like that. I don't know anyone who is apart from Jesus anyway. But just maybe, just maybe if we said something. So in the, in the coming months ahead, you're going to hear us talk more and more about the growth track as we put it together. There's going to be four specific areas that we're going to be looking at. Helps people understand the vision of the church. Gives people spiritual health uh, essentials. It's going to help people to discover uh, why they're on the earth and also to understand about ministry in life in general as well. And here's the last one I'm going to finish with this morning. Actually, I'll finish this point next week. But it's to deploy our gift. This is how we drink from the cup of redemption. Number one, we discover our gift. Number two, we actually develop our gift. And number three, we deploy our gift. In other words, we get involved. We get in the game. We get in the game. We get in the game. It's time to take off the practice jersey and it's time to get in the game. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. It's where we join together as a body of believers with the body of Christ to see the kingdom of God come to our region. I believe God wants this area to be cancer-free. I believe that God wants this region to be divorce-free. I believe that God wants this area to be an area where marriage is seen between a man and a woman long term. I believe that these are the things that God would have us stand up for in our community. Where we can see that you know, prayer comes back legally into our, our schools and stuff. Where our chaplains are free to be able to speak about the person of Jesus. And to pray with kids and, and to bring freedom to families and to encourage students and teachers alike. I believe that that's what God wants for us. 
I believe that the church is the greatest welfare uh, supplier to our community. Government doesn't do a very good job of it, but you know what? I believe that the church does a great job of it. We don't all do the same things as each part of the, the body of Christ does its own thing, but what we do is to support those things. I don't have to have an op shop as a church, but you know what? I know someone has a great one and I can send you to and they're going to get a great, great deal. You're going to be looked after, you're going to be cared for, welfare-wise. Is this making sense this morning? Cool. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love, listen to this. He says, and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. In other words, God has seen that it is our love for him that has helped us to serve other people. And as we are serving other people, we are demonstrating our love for him. God smiles on that. In fact, he, he marks it up. He says, that's a tick. And you're laying up for yourselves treasure in heaven. See, our purpose is to serve God by serving others. And that's why we're here. That's to live a life of fulfillment. Can we stand this morning? I just would uh, ask everyone to bow your heads in prayer, please. Or an attitude of prayer. I don't know everybody here this morning. I don't know where you come from or your background or what brought you here today. But I would like to give everybody an opportunity to drink from the first cup of salvation this morning. I drank from this cup back in 1980. That's when I first got saved. That's when I, my life changed. It's been a process. It's been a journey in the last um, however many years that is. But I know that without a shadow of a doubt that I would be dead without Jesus. Too many things have happened in my world and in my life not to recognize the, the hand of protection that God has put on my life. He saved me. In, when I've been in a high-speed pursuit as a police officer. He saved me when I've been to sieges with armed defenders. He saved me through my own stupidity when I've been driving or riding my motorcycle when I had that. But I don't believe I'm the only one. I believe that many people here could say the same thing, that I would be dead without Jesus. But the beauty is that Jesus is dead for me. He died for me. He's alive now and seated at the right hand of the Father. And I want to give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. It's almost like you feel that there's this void in your life and you just know that you, just, I don't, you don't know what it is. You're just missing something. Well, I would suggest to you that you're missing Jesus this morning. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 10, that if you confess your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. If you need Jesus today, all I would simply say is, believe in your heart, 
that he's the answer. Believe in your heart. Open up your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord. And you shall be saved. That's how we drink of the first cup. There's nothing we do apart from believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth. Is there anyone here this morning, you say, I'd like to drink of the first cup this morning. I want to I receive salvation this morning. I want to be saved. I want to know that I'm saved. Is there anyone here this morning, you want to say yes to God? Just put your hand up. I'd love us to pray together as a church with you. Is there anyone here this morning you want to say that? No one else looking around, just you and me will know this and God and the host of heaven. Anyone this morning? You might ask what it's going to cost me. Not much, just your entire life. Because you're handing over the control of your life to God. And maybe the way that you've been living hasn't been working out, but today it can start to change and turn around. I want to pray this out as a church this morning. I want us to pray this prayer together. It's up on the screen. And I want, I want us to pray this. Is that okay? All together, out loud. Dear God, it's time for a change. I need a real relationship with you. Today I open my life to knowing you. Forgive me for living my life my way. Today I invite Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I want to know you. I put my faith in you. Give me the power to change. In your name I pray. Amen. Heavenly Father,